What's going on, guys? And welcome back. Hi, Evo is brand new to Marvel Snap. It's about to change everything we know about the game. And so we're going to break down everything to expect about the card, as well as our favorite new secret hidden abilities and the cards that you can start plugging into other decks. We're also going to break down the Marvel Snap meta in May, one of the most diverse we've seen yet, and the new decks approaching since all the balance changes as well as our favorite cards at every single cost. Now, this is going to be a little bit of a different Snapchat because I am traveling, but we wanted to get you guys an episode. But with that being said, we're going to talk about all that today and more on this episode of the Snapchat. And as always, I'm joined by Mr. Alex Kocha. What's going on, man? We had a wild week of Marvel Snap, one of the craziest last week. I know you were over there at Disney. How you doing? Happy Monday. I'm doing great, my friend. And uh, I always joke about how it's a great time to be a Marvel Snap player. And I think this last week was a wild time to be a Marvel Snap player. I'm in Orlando and I'm getting like these updates about like how like Wave got completely destroyed. All these changes, card acquisition changes, massive patch. And I'm just like trying to just bathe myself in sunscreen, avoiding the biting sun of Florida. Just be like, what is happening in Marvel Snapland? And it was just complete chaos. But I'm all for it because uh, anytime the game is changing, I think it's a good thing. And uh, oh, it changed a lot, Cozy. I can tell you were at Disney. You got like the red face. You have the exhaustion in your voice, the the look of death in your eyes a little bit. Like, you know, Disney is the happiest place on earth, but it also sucks the living soul out of you. I have never paid so much money to work so hard in my life. <laughs> like to try and drag four kids around on Disney in like peak sun and stuff like that. And like trying to like avoid the sun at the same time was like near impossible. My two-year-old would like run away and just dive into a crowd as soon as they could. It was like the most chaotic like week of my life. Yeah, you're paying $400 for food. They all hate and and there's yeah there's just people everywhere it's it's the happiest place on earth though so you're not allowed to be mad it's it's fantastic right speaking of we actually have howard the duck kind of looks like donald duck over there and uh, he was our new card this week we have a lot of topics to break down it's high evolution season which is uh gonna be the the main conversation of today's episode uh, as well as all the changes that happened right with wave and the balance there and the impact it had on the meta what are we going to be talking about on your side of the channel, Alex? On my channel, Cozy, we'll be doing the second half of our Q&A. It was remarkably well received last week. So if you're interested in seeing some more questions and answers with Cozy and I with regards to Marvel Snap and our general life, be sure to check out my channel where I have that special edition of this week's Snapchat. You can find a link in the description down below. Well, Alex, one thing's for certain, buddy. I think uh, High Evolutionary is definitely going to shake things up here this week in Snap, uh, whether you buy the card, whether you just play against it. There's going to be so many different new versions of the decks that we already know. Uh, do you plan on, I'm, I'm sure you do, do you plan on getting high Evo? Yes, I am. I definitely will. And simply because like, I think it's a extremely interesting card that's going to have a wave like ripple effect in Marvel Snap, right? Like whether or not it's meta relevant or like amazing, or it's going to get you an infinite blah, blah, all the things that people like really want to know is irrelevant. It's going to completely change the way Marvel Snap is played for a lot of people. And I think that's really exciting. Yeah. So it's not even about being like the best card. There's just going to be so much impact from that card, right? And cards you need to start thinking about including in your decks if you're not going to be playing high evo or even if you are playing high evo and the multiple ways that he can essentially put other cards in new archetypes right we'll talk about different ones but just high evo in one or two of those cards with secret abilities can now be slotted into other archetypes and, and it gives them a pretty big boost and so we'll break those down the decks that we think will do well and, and then of course probably next week is when we'll have the the full ingestion of what high evo really did to snap in the, in the meta so uh, we can go ahead and start there and should you buy him this will be the shortest answer probably yet yeah i, I think so right i mean it's hard to always say with big bads and and whatnot and, and and before the card truly gets in our hands 
But this one, I think if you're about fun and you're about just trying new decks out, he's certainly going to be good enough to offer like just so much diversity there. Yeah, there's so many things I've gone through my mind with regards to high evo and i think there's two key things that i've been really fixated on cozy the first is that it's a big bad and the psychology of big bads is that i think people are more willing to spend that 6k because they know that it's not just going to drop down a series four or three within a month or so and like it kind of conserves its value a little bit like a good old toyota corolla it conserves its value and i think that's kind of an important consideration but the biggest thing that i keep going back to cozy is I kind of see High Evolutionary in a similar vein of like Mr. Negative during the earlier days of Marvel Snap because it unlocks a completely new archetype of play. However, the difference between High Evolutionary and Mr. Negative was that Mr. Negative needed like magic and all these other high expensive pieces at the time. Whereas with High Evolutionary, you pretty much have everything you need, right? It kind of like, it's kind of like a one-stop shop and then the cards you're unlocking are cards you probably already have, like you must already have, right? So I think that there's a lot of value in High Evolutionary, even if you're someone who's relatively kind of, I don't want to say new to the game, but you got the pieces. Yeah, so to, uh, I have a video coming out tomorrow that kind of ranks where I think all the, uh, the secret ability cards are and things like that. And, and really... Wasp is the only one that you're not going to have like right out the get. And, and even then, you know, you can live without Wasp in the in the deck. Really good card in that deck. Um, but you're right. It, it's going to offer... We're getting, what, like seven new cards per se, even though we're only getting one true one. Uh, really, High Evo himself is, is actually the worst part about the deck. You don't want to draw him. Uh, if you don't know, he has been from a 4-7 down to a 4-4 now, which is pretty significant, Alex. That's, you know, uh, definitely now a card that you, you don't even want to play if you don't have to right and so he's one of those that you know he's going to trigger at the start of the game and then you just you hope to avoid him after that you just you don't want to pull him in your hand though and so that's going to be very interesting on how that works but yeah in, as far as the archetypes that i think immediately he's going to help out let's kind of break those down a bit as well as ones that he might you know kind of lower the stock in, in the meta if you will and I got to start with this because we know the negative pushing deck is going to be the big one. I think that's what people are really excited about. Poor Cerebro, man. I, I got to say, Cerebro is so much going against it. And now we have yet another deck that is going to be uber popular. That's just going to take a big old uh, Evo dump on uh, uh, Cerebro. Cerebro is pretty much unplayable, I think. And I know that some people are like, well, you can Luke Cage in this and that. Cerebro too, right? And it's like, oh man, like Luke Cage, first of all, if you're anything like me, you'll never draw him. You won't even think, you're like, hey, did I forget to put him in the deck? Like what happened to Luke Cage? But like, yeah, like <laughs> I don't think that's an actual viable, like it, yes, it counters high evolutionary, specifically the the kind of like negative power effect of the some of the synergistic cards. But I don't know, man, you're right. Like, Cerebro has so much working against it, and Scorpion's going to meet a lot of those lists, right? Yeah. It's going to be in almost every one of them because of the synergy. So, oh man, I feel bad for Cerebral players if there's any left. Yeah, so we can start there. I think Abomination is the card we need to start with, and I'm going to pick and choose a couple of these secret ability cards. If you don't know, it's not going to work on token cards, so Doombots, Ultron Drones, uh, Rocks, which I wish they kind of snuck that in there, like plus two to rock, you know, something, but uh, maybe they did it to keep some relativity to patriot but with abomination this is the single car that kind of uh, turned the uh, made wave finally get the nerf uh even glenn himself i believe said that he played the deck and it was just too much way too much what you can do with abomination people are forgetting you can moon girl this card you can really get just huge power drops and so i think cards like abomination where you have these cost reductions we know will always be good um, and so, you know, we're not going to dive into that one all too much, but anything pushing negative power now is going to have a new kind of found home. Now, they did confirm, Alex, 
that what is negative power? I think this has been floating around a little bit and it's pretty much all negative power, right? It says afflicted, but soul stone is going to count. Even typhoid, I believe on the other person's side is going to count. There's a lot more negative power than you think. And right off the bat, I know we've talked about scorpion, but the fact that you can just play debris than hazmat and have a free abomination right there, I think is what people are most uh, like, are you kidding me about? Like, it's going to be wild. I am a huge enjoyer of Spider Woman. I play Spider Woman very frequently and it's a very similar effect, right? And like now your turn six abomination is just like what? What are I free? Oh, you've been playing the game prior as well. Yeah, like so there's a lot of synergistic elements to it. I'm glad that they identified early that the abomination was probably going to be a little wild cozy. Yeah, for sure. And I think the thing that I keep seeing is, oh, well, Luke Cage, you know, just play Luke Cage. You can Luke prevent, Cage. just Luke it out. Here's the problem with that. Not saying that it's not going to be something you need to start considering. Obviously, guys, Luke Cage is going to prevent negative power from going on your side of the board. You're going to have to change up how you play them. All my Luke Cage decks, I play Luke Cage late. You know, you want that to be that surprise that you drop and you all of a sudden bring all of your cards up in power and they can't enchant your sit and all these great things. Well, as long as you have negative power, that abomination on their side is going to be free. So there's going to be this kind of who's going to do it first game, right? Uh, do you think they have the abomination? Should you drop your Luke Cage? Are they going to try to moon girl and get greedy with that abomination and get a couple of them, you know, and expect that maybe you don't have Luke Cage? I think we're going to see a lot of that kind of cat and mouse stuff going on in the meta. It's probably why Enchanters got toned down a bit too from a 4-6 to a 4-5 because... A lot of those lists will probably be running the Enchantress to get rid of the Luke Cage effect. And the result of that is that like a 4-6 probably would have been too good. So like in order to protect that that Luke Cage, you're probably running Cosmo as well. And like, I don't know, like suddenly you start running out of space to deal with these decks while also generating power on your own. So like, I don't know, like Luke Cage is obviously an answer. I think that a lot of people are just saying like Luke Cage is going to be a complete fix-all. And it just might be, but also I don't think it's that simple either. Yeah, because the, the problem is too... It's, it's only 12 cards in the deck, right? So you can't do too much. But what I will say is a couple interactions that I like. Um, I do think Invisible Woman, uh, who I know you love, is going to be uh, even better. Now, she doesn't fit into a lot of decks, but the ones she does fit in, she's an extra protection uh, for you, Luke Cage, right? You know, Cosmo is going to serve that role too. But Invisible Woman, one of the most underrated things she does is she absorbs the blow from, let's say, Enchantress. She'll take the full hit and then everything under it isn't going to get Enchantress, right? And so really kind of a solid role she plays uh, as well as, you know, obviously hiding your Luke. Uh, but then on the flip side, that's going to always give him the chance to play the Abomination. But what I think both for if you decide to get the card or not, and this is in my guide uh, coming out, no matter what, I, I think obviously Enchantress is going to be good. But in my high Evo decks, I'll probably put Rogue in most of them. And that's because, A, you can take that Luke Cage from your opponent if they aren't playing a high Evo deck. But if you're playing mirror matches, which let's be honest, man, there's going to be a lot of mirror matches of high Evo. Having that Rogue, I think, is going to be the tipping the scales of balance if you're doing two of those negative decks up against each other, right? Because you're going to try to prevent the other person. You might put Luke Cage in your own deck. Uh, so I think Rogue is kind of the silent hero here for, for a lot of people. Rogue like, was very popular, I feel like, when Darkhawk was taking over uh, the original Darkhawk, when you had like Darkhawk, Absorber Man, Spider-Man, that kind of stuff. You saw a lot of Rogue to get rid of that Darkhawk effect. You don't see a lot of Iron Man right now, which is one of my favorite Rogue targets, if not the favorite Rogue target. But I think you're right. Just to kind of strip away your opponent's uh, capabilities with Luke Cage or anything else is huge. The last time I saw a lot of Rogue being played was when uh, Zabu first came out. And everyone was like, Enchanter seeing your Zabu, but then you'd Rogue their Zabu back and 
and get the effect to get the negative two at the time. So like, I like how rogue sometimes finds its way back into the meta. Like when you know, and can predict that a certain type of archetype is going to be super popular, especially around the release of a new card. Yep, for sure. And with that, I kind of want to transition this from abomination to some of the other cards of the secret ability list. The one card that people are not talking about enough that I think has the uh, potential of boom or bust. It's either going to be awesome or just so-so is Shocker. I think Shocker has the potential to be a great, just kind of catch-all with high Evo. You got to remember, he's only two cost and he does obviously have the Nakia effect of only the leftmost card. But you got to think about it. Five cost cards, six cost cards, even getting that one less cost is so massive. But then even getting it in a lot of your cards is huge. It doesn't have the minimum one cost effect thing, so cards can be free as well. And all you have to do is have high Evo in the deck for Shocker to have this newfound ability. Man, I mean, this hitting, if you build a deck that's kind of core around this, and the biggest thing I want to highlight here is I want you to kind of focus on one word there. It's an honor reveal. So you can manipulate this with Absorbing Man. You can <laughs> you get Wong out there if you want to go really crazy. Iron Lack could take the stat. What do you think about Shocker and his potential to kind of, uh, what you said, create all these different archetypes that, that could use just a couple of these cards? I'm so undecided on Shocker, right? honestly. Like, I don't know what to think. Because at first glance, I'm like, this card probably sucks, right? But then history has shown us that any sort of cost reduction is a huge effect in a card game, huge effect in Marvel Snap. So like, I don't want to sleep on it either because we say, oh, it's like Nakia, but like Nakia is giving you a plus power, but cost reduction can be like borderline game breaking at times, like getting a Sarah on turn four, like that's a snap and they retreat, right? So like, there's so many things that like, I think really, really work to its advantage, but very RNG centric. What's in the left side of your hand? You have some agency as to what is going to be on the left side of your hand, but really like you kind of don't at the same time, right? So I don't know. I don't know what to think about Shocker, but I think you're right to identify it as a card that we might be sleeping on that might be getting, let's just say, might be way better than we think it is. I want to give you like one example though, right? Where this is where I start to think Shocker could have even more use is like a beast bounce deck, right? Uh, whether you have Kitty or not, let's say you don't have Kitty, you play Shocker down, uh, you can always time it up to bounce back your Shocker, get multiple cost reductions going on at this point, right? And then Kitty's one of those cards that you can always force to be in the left side of your hand, right? Uh, there's other cards that you can pick up with Beast that it discounts by one, but you can discount it even further with Shocker. So I think there's going to be some like extremely big brain plays with this card. And I have to say, I think Beast might be my favorite in combination with Shocker out of like Wong and Absorbing Man and those kind of cards. We're finding it that there are more decks and cards that you can manipulate your hand a bit easier and from playing something like Rocks and Hawks so much, you know, I got really used to this with Moon Girl. This was something I was always doing it and trying to prep my hand for, something I always looked at for a snap identifier. So I don't know. I, I do think he's probably one of my favorites out of all the secret ability cards. Maybe you're right, Cozy. Maybe you're right. You've been right in the past about identifying cards that probably are flying under the radar. So I'm looking forward to seeing like what us and the community can do with Shocker. But uh, I'm a little more pessimistic, but I love to be proven wrong. Well, uh, let's uh, let's bring up another that I might, I think is also kind of like, ah, this is cool. And then people are kind of going on to Abomination again. Because uh, I have to say, I think the negative style of deck is really cool. But one thing I think that is even uh, more exciting to me is I was always a huge fan of Post-Credit Miracle, the deck where you would hold on to everything. You had the big power drop at the end, right? To me, I like that because you can control it, right? The negative power, you can control, but your opponent can do some stuff with it, right? 
I think Hulk is one of those other cards right now that people aren't really thinking about all too much. But if you look at it, the fact that he gets plus two power for every turn you in with unspent energy, people are looking past it. Think about it. If you just skip turn one, and I know you like your low cost plays, Alex, but you got a 614 right off the bat. A 614. I mean, that's Agatha. That's some other cards that, you know, it makes, you know, Magneto look small. And all you need is high Evo in the deck. And so this is where I think combining She-Hulk with this and Sunspot, that version of the deck is probably the first one I'm going to try. I, I think it's a bit more risky in terms of if you do try to push the limits with Magic and Limbo. But even at its core value, we know what She-Hulk does. We know what this can do. Dude, Hulk's going to smash. I, I think Hulk's going to be pretty legit. I, I like what you're saying because we so often do skip turn one. And I do think that Hulk is going to be a really, really big drop in a lot of games, especially with Sunspot, who recently got nerfed. But obviously, there's a reason for that because of this this type of effect, this type of deck building archetype, right? Uh, one thing I will say is I think that like building a deck where you're intentionally skipping, not skipping turns, but like withholding energy is trickier than we're kind of saying up front. Um, I've been trying to experiment with it in advance because I think you're right. This is going to be one of my favorite decks and archetypes to try when High Evolutionary comes out. It's very like mind bending to intentionally not spend all your energy every turn. Like we're so used to being like tempo based players where like you have four energy. Usually you want to play that white queen. You want to play whatever it is to, to maximize each indiv individual turn. And so designing a deck where like you're withholding and if you don't draw sunspot, like you're still getting value elsewhere. But I think it's a really kind of mind bending archetype, which I'm actually really excited to pilot because it kind of like it's really unique in card games, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it's going to be risky because if you think about it, you're going to want to armor the sunspot, right? You want to protect these cards. Now, I will say that kind of the, the new version of uh, this, this post credit miracle, uh, you have like just so many low cost options to play. But keep in mind for the Hulk, you can't play anything. You cannot play anything for him to get that plus two. This is kind of the style of the uh, post-credit that I play on a regular basis that, you know, you have your armor to protect what you have going on. You try to push the turn seven limits and, and get that out there. You know, I think certainly Iron Lad could have a place in the deck. Uh, but talk about really even with Shocker, if Magic gets that cost reduction here, I mean, whew, would love that, right? Get the Magic out That's early. Insane. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think this is the deck that I might be the most excited about we have psylocke to try to push magic early too and then if you can push magic early alex the most important thing to do would be to maybe cosmo on top of that with these like big power drop decks it's important not to get like obsessed with the biggest power you can drop rather than like a, a safe reliable good amount of power that you can push out there so hulk definitely uh, is on my list ongoing ability absolutely love it i got one more before we move on to our next subject out of all the the cards we'll talk about and, you know, it's not the sexiest card out there, but I think Wasp is going to be kind of cool, man, to have a kind of a new Lockjaw token that you can just throw in there and push out negative power on the other side. It's, it's kind of wild and, and, and fun. I know that Patriot gives her a 0-3, but this is such a different style of Wasp. Uh, what are your thoughts? Anytime you have a card that's zero cost and that you can play on turn six in conjunction with others, like... It's it's really cool. It does have some negative synergy with my my favorite Valkyrie play. Like you play the Wasp with the Valkyrie, and it doesn't do that very well because obviously you're just gonna prop the enemy back up. So that makes me a little sad. Yeah. But I do like what you're saying, especially with like a like a Lockjaw style synergy where it could basically hits the negative two, cycles through the deck, hopefully pull some value for you. It, it's it's the only pool three card in the kind of arsenal of high evolutionary, and uh, I think it's good. 
but I like the fact that it's not like required. I feel like you can still definitely do some creative deck building without Wasp, but I do think it's going to be a key piece, especially when you start to min-max the capabilities of the archetype. Well, keep in mind too, even with your Valkyrie play that you just said, you would just play Valkyrie, you wouldn't get Wasp to get the three, right? But then you could Valkyrie the three and then put Wasp last and then Wasp is essentially having that three still pushing the negative, right? So there's like, it's, that's what you're talking about. There's just, it's going to unlock a lot of new play and, and it's versatile. Yeah. It is. And it's the, the hardest part is I think we all got used to all these decks and like the patterns to memorize and the cards to look at and like here's Lizard. So maybe it's a Sandman. This is going to bring so many different variations of stuff that we're not expecting, right? When you see Shocker come out now, you're like, I don't, what are they trying to do here? What, what's, what are they trying to reduce in this deck? You know, do you um, automatically think it's a reduction deck? What, you know, what, are you, what are you trying to anticipate? So High Evolution, really cool card. I would still say... If you, if you don't have some other key pieces, you know, it's, especially because they're pool four staying, is there a pool four card that you would buy before high Evo? You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I lean towards Darkhawk. Like, right? Like, Darkhawk is just so damn good. It's got to come down eventually, right? Like, it can't, it can't just sit there forever. So I'm, I'm not sure. Like, it, we're in such a weird spot with the series drops that it's hard for me to answer that question. But I could say with confidence that I think high evolutionary, whether or not it's completely meta explosive i think it's probably worth 6k just for the just for the different we, we talked about this with thanos it unlocks a whole new way to play the game so and just for that i feel like it could be worth 6k for people anytime you're getting yeah eight cards whatever in one that that's the that's the biggest thing around it and i do think maybe he might be underwhelming in some cases at first thanos guys it took a little bit to kind of crack the case it's a build-a-bear card right like you can put so much with it uh, and that's what it's going to take some time, I think, to get the true best builds. But believe it, they're coming. And and the fact that he has Thanos synergy too that you can have both these cards in the same deck, man, is absolutely wild. So let's go to move to our next subject, Alex. With Wave getting nerfed, it affected Death Wave. It affected Doom Wave. Probably two of the most consistent decks in the top of the meta. We've got a new meta coming up here. Not only with High Evo and probably the negative and post credit decks, but the ones that we have now. This might be the most, we say this a lot, but th this is up there in the most kind of diverse meta that we've had, no? It is. It's definitely a diverse meta. And I think that's exactly what Second Dinner was going for with the changes they've been making. And even with the, you know, the kind of withholding of Darkhawk, withholding of Nuln, etc. I think what they were trying to do was conserve this meta feel. Right, to ensure that there was some sort of um, excitement around what was happening in the meta. Give people some diversity, some you know, unexpected kind of deck design, which I think is super important because like every time you're queuing and you know, oh, it's going to be this exact deck, like when Thanos was most popular, when Shuri was most popular, what's well, going to be this deck 10% of the time, which is pretty much Galactus right now, which maybe is one of the only things they, they're probably still working on. I think that uh, the meta is in a fantastic spot right now. Fantastic. With a few minor outliers, which I'm sure are on their radar. It's just cool to go up on the ladder and have so many different things to go up against. You know, you say Galactus. I think he has the highest play rate, but that's before Infinite. Well, obviously, when you get to Infinite, it's a whole nother level. But like there's control decks. There's obviously Darkhawk is doing well, but there's things to shut down Darkhawk. Uh, Patriots finding his case. So right now, let's talk about a couple of decks that, that you're really liking that it, that has approached the meta. You know, I think we can kind of bring up a few to start out that we won't dive too much into, but uh, your girl Kitty is is just fine post quote unquote nerf, right? Uh, man, 
Staff, I, did you, I know you were at Disney, but did you have a chance to play with your new girl? I have been. I, I did experiment with uh, the new Kitty a bunch, and uh, it is definitely a great card. There's no doubt about it. I'm so glad they released it to everybody. Surprised they decided to make it a pool five card for everyone coming new. Like I was like, man, I'm just going to make yeah. it part of the start. Maybe not. Like I get why, but like, anyways, I'm glad everyone has it. The thing that kind of surprised me, though, was that like I do kind of miss the like the actual mechanical original kitty the way it played oh, yeah. originally was very fun uh it was like very interactive it still functionally kind of works similarly but it's not quite the same right because there were times where like i'd want it to stay on the board for instance and so like i that kind of feels sad i do think the original version of kitty was better honestly i do think it's better For but sure. kitty kitty's still good kitty's still good and i think that like they could bring it back possibly maybe they find ways to fix because i remember them saying that it wasn't like a actual like engine issue it was more than anything else it was an engine issue but here's the thing how she is right now i feel like is perfect with nebula and sunspot because i feel like yeah it was better but it was it was dude it was good it was like it was too good yeah, i think it was too good was too i mean good. yeah and there's that's the issue with it it was too good for a one cost drop and even now she's really solid man so you know, for the people that got to play with Kitty, it definitely, you know, they missed that version. Uh, but Kitty Bounce right now, extremely solid card. Feels really good and more decks than I, I would have given her credit for. And we're kind of seeing her fit into even more than we once thought. Uh, so Kitty Bounce is doing well. Um, you know, just looking at the top here, uh, Jane Jaw is still holding a strong presence. Is very surprised about that. Shuri is finally making her way back a bit. I think we're going to see more of her as we have these like abomination power drops from high Evo. Uh, so sure, he, yeah, get ready for that. And then, you know, I want to talk about a change that happened that was pretty big. And I'm seeing much more change than I thought with it. And dude, that's going to be the Venom change. I am seeing Destroy have a good foundation again. And this Venom change feels awesome. It feels excellent. And I think what it is, it's not only the power to Venom that I've been finding, you know, pretty reliable and maybe Iron Lad in there every now and then, but it's also the fact that Venom hasn't been played much since even the Arrow nerf way back when. And Arrow was a big piece that hurt the Venom style of deck with Arnim Zola and all the things that you were trying to do to manipulate it. Man, I, I don't know if you've played the new Destroy. I think they might have to tinker death. We're going to have to see how that kind of works out. They even said it, but I don't know if that one cost reduction is enough to, to make it work. But I love that now you get rewarded with this cost reduction from committing to the archetype, man. Uh, what do you think? I have been experimenting with it. I actually released a couple videos with Destroy last week. I had this deck called Straight Up Destroy, which is basically use like your classic Venom style list. And I do agree that the change to death, I think, I think it needs to be modified slightly i think it's too hard still to get free death like should it even be free right like do does it have to be free Are we so fixated on the free death right but like to get death free you pretty much have to do like the squirrel girl killmonger style gameplay which i'm not a huge fan of but like i think you're right death is probably still in a bit of a weird spot right now but venom itself is really good and the thing i like about the two extra power to venom is that it feels less uh, bad to play it on top of something like a Bucky Barnes. Because yep. you're like you're procking it, but you're also getting that value out. And then you can perhaps find other synergies as well. Obviously, you can't Zola that lane or anything like that. But I think there's a lot of fascinating things you can do with Venom right now. In particular, I still just like the idea of having a large lane, Venom, Zola. But I think that's a little predictable at higher MMRs. But Venom's buff, I think, really does help kind of 
uh, kind of lift destroy up a little bit. I think it, it had to happen because destroy was like really riding on the back of, of uh wave for far too long. So had they not made these changes, I think destroy would have been dead in the water. Yeah, for sure. And I, I get people were like wave was my only free to play deck. You got used to it. And I get that for sure. Wave had to change guys. There's changes that have to change for the better. Uh, and there's still good free to play decks out there. It's just not doom or death wave. Uh, and speaking of that, the wave change, how did they make a card go down in value, but then right back up in different ways, man? The fact of her disruption that she can bring now, uh, have you played with this new, and, and here's the thing, people love to think of best case scenarios sometimes, right? No, no one's, you know, people aren't playing this on five against a Sarah deck most of the time. But now you've got the Sandman deck or even just a ramp deck in general with more and more purpose. I mean, Wave being able to stop that Zabu deck from getting that extra discount, even one extra turn, or having her to get, you know, more value for that Sandman. What do you think of Wave? How do you like the changes and, and overall thoughts? My initial impression was I kind of like the original version, which I know sounds dumb because I was one of the ones that was like, ah, wait, Wave needs to be nerfed. How many times have we talked about a snapshot about nerf? Yeah, that was, that was wave, yeah, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So like, you, you reap what you sow in some, some degree, but... Uh, I, I do like it. I like how it's more of a tech card now. Like it's definitely a tech card now, right? Like it, it, it was like, it had this soft Sandman effect before, which kind of felt advantageous in the sense of like, I can play three cards and you can play one, LOL, right? And I, I think that was kind of like obviously constraining their design capabilities at second dinner. Oh man, I, I, I don't want to say I like it. I almost missed the old one. <laughs> See, I don't I, know, the, Cozy. What I don't miss about the old one is now when Wave is played, I don't have to be like, all right, if I play my Knoll, Am I going to worry about that they're going to play, you know, their, their two She-Hulks or their Zabu's out on the board so they get multiple discounts? I just, the thing I do like about the change, of course I miss things that I got used to for months and months. Like, that's hard to, to replace. But the fact that they were somehow able to address Zabu and Sarah in a way without directly going after them uh, felt pretty good. And what to expect? I mean, a turn five wave, dude, it was, it was just a retreat. I mean, most of the time, if you, if you didn't have something that could stack up to it. Uh, so maybe there's a healthy balance in between, but I think the new wave is just, is filthy. I think she is massively uh, still in the early processes of the best decks that she's going to belong in. Well, I agree. It's still early, right? Like it's still early. Like there's there's going to be a deck that comes out with the new wave that I think is going to be really impactful, but we're just not quite there yet. And I do think you're correct in identifying that it does give a good firm slap to Sarah, which I think is one of the best archetypes right now, Sarah Control. I'm, I mean, I'm going to talk about two Sarah Control decks soon because I still, I think they're fantastic, honestly. And so you're right. There is a lot of potential there, and time will tell how impactful this nerf was. Well, Alex, just looking at a couple other ones, do you have any other decks you want to shout out for the kind of incoming and upcoming meta? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to talk about one, uh, the Guardians Control List, which I think is really, really cool. Basically, it's a list that utilizes the Guardians of the Galaxy, which, hey, they're actually pretty decent now, which is really exciting. It's a list that uh, utilizes Nebula, Rocket Raccoon, Dare, Devil, one of my absolute favorite cards in the game, Star-Lord, Armor, Jeff, Storm, Spider-Man, Enchantress, Professor X, Gamora, and finally, Magneto. Now, the thing I like about this is you have that turn six closer with Magneto, which disrupts multiple sides of the board, but I have the Jeff with Professor X. Daredevil is a great card in conjunction with not only Professor X, but Gamora and Spider-Man. You do have the Storm and Nebula combination. And uh, when you storm a location, honestly, you know they're going to be playing thereafter usually. So Star-Lord and Rocket Raccoon give you some synergy there. And if you whiff, you still got Jeff. It's one of the few control lists right now that is not using Sarah. So if you don't have Sarah, but you have the Guardians, then this is one that you can turn to. What do you think, Cozy? You know me in control. The, 
this is <laughs> this man. It feels so good to play because uh, you know what I love about it is it brings like Spider-Man into play where he doesn't feel like a like the Galactus Spider-Man that everybody hates. Having yeah. a way to use Daredevil for Professor X, but then like to stack some Guardian cards is really solid. And just the plug and play options. You know, uh, if you don't have Jeff, put Lizard in there. You can also uh, Magneto doesn't have to be in the deck. You can run extra Guardians. You know, it makes, sadly, the, the Drax uh, buff made him worse in this deck. Uh, it was running Drax a little bit before before that uh, changed to him. Uh, and so, anyway, really solid deck here. And this is one of the highest performers right now, actually. This is a top three deck in the current meta, which I don't think anybody would have thought some Guardians of the Galaxy combined with some control options was going to be as good as it is. Uh, but what we're seeing is a lot of the decks out there that are competing with this need the space. They need the room. They need to be able to manipulate these locations and control is being able to just shut it down. Shut down what they're trying to do. I've said it before. The thing I love about playing control is I feel like I always have an answer. There are some games where like I you just get knocked out. Like there's just you're just like, well, it's turn three and I'm already done, right? I feel like control that almost never happens. And when you're trying to get to infinite or you're playing competitively, you want every turn to matter. You want to have a chance to kind of fight back in any given game. And I feel like control gives you tools to do that, which are often, you know, not necessarily present in, uh, in other decks. Without question, man. Uh, so the Galaxy Control, really solid deck. We know Stature Control. These control style of decks, uh, I think they're just going to add Luke Cage and still survive the high Evo meta pretty well. Uh, or even with that being said, I think... There's with with some of these like Gamora is such a high stat value card that some negative power like she can survive that. And where are you going to play Abomination if you're running out of space, you know, uh, with all the other plays you've done, right? Um, on top of that, discard it just man, we know discard has been a, a tried and true. When it gets the pieces it needs, it works. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious. Want to see how it does with the new high Evo and what's going to happen? Uh, the best thing about discard is the power slam. Now, what will happen with when Abomination can come out or when these, you know, big old hulks can compete with a Dracula, right? We Usually nothing can compete with those power pushes. So want to see how that survives. And then I've, I've got to talk about before we go on to our next subject here, guys, and that's got to be Iron Lad. There's so many decks that he is working in and Patriot and ongoing, in my opinion, is by far the best deck for Iron Lad at the moment. Uh, we we kind of knew that. We talked about, you know, Iron Man, Darkhawk, him grabbing that with the stat values. Um, I've been playing them in kind of some pure ongoing decks that have been significantly just surprising to the opponent. They don't know what's happening or what to expect. And then with Patriot, you know, there's not a bad card that Iron Lad can grab in a Patriot deck, which is why it's so consistent. If he takes one of the no ability cards, great. He can be boosted by Patriot. If he takes Patriot, awesome. Onslaught is even more crazy. You can copy Ultron and then just worry about stacking the boost in that one lane even after the drones have gone out. So, man, yeah, Iron Lad decks, uh, this is just the start of the theory crafting. I've been experimenting with Iron Lad in Sandman ramp style lists, which yeah. I actually really like. Because when you get a 4-6 Sandman effect on turn 4, it's just like, okay, nice, right? Or whatever it happens to drop. I, I do think Iron, Iron Lad's a great card. The consistency of it, I still think, is like it's part of the gamble. I, I do think that there is like obviously you have Howard the Duck, but I'm not running Howard the Duck in my my ramp list, right? I'm just like you know what, I don't care what it hits. It's probably gonna hit something good, right? And I, I like that kind of as well, but it does lack the consistency. I do like Iron Lad, and I think that it's gonna be a card that's gonna be pretty impactful for a long time. Yeah. So the, how I think it's going to, or how I've helped with consistency with it is first of all you you got to build your list, you know, to to make sure that you capitalize on it most of the time. 
Like Lizard, exactly. is that the best card to go in there with a Sandman deck now? Probably not if you have Iron Lad. But the, the answer, in my opinion, buddy, Jubilee is, is one of the main fire ways to help out your Iron Lad decks. And especially in the ramp deck that you talked about, because I've ran that deck. Jubilee is already good in a ramp deck to try to get the Sandman out early. It feels so cool to pull down and get the Jubilee effect that pull down another card, especially with Sandman. And I've been kind of slotting in Jubilee into the majority of, of the decks that I have Iron Lad in. Howard as well, I could go into Howard to some great extent. Uh, but Howard, being able to see, okay, this is what's coming up. I'll play my Jubilee now. Or this is what's coming up. I'll play Iron Lad, hold on to Jubilee. Man, I could go on a whole tangent about Howard the Duck, but uh, maybe maybe we'll save that for another week here. Uh, if you guys don't know, we are. I'm actually headed out on a trip, and so we are having to be a bit more rushed this episode, and we do apologize. We, we didn't want to miss a week for you guys, though, and we'll make up for it for maybe an extra long episode next week. Uh, but yes, so I think Iron Lad decks, very, very solid. And that's pretty much right now the kind of the meta snapshot, Alex. And that's certainly going to change as we head into uh, our high Evo week. Now, lastly, we have our favorite cards at every single cost. Our favorite segment, My Alex. favorite topic, yeah. And we're going to... I love this. We're going to rock it through it a bit here. And as always, these are the probably not the best cards at every cost or far from it. But the cards that we have both enjoyed playing this season in Snap. And we're going to start... With the one cost, Alex, what do you got for me? I'm going right to Nova. Nova's been a card Ooh. that I feel like has, I don't want to say flown under the radar, but probably doesn't get the appreciation it deserves. This is such a good card, and I love playing it because when I drop Nova, like basically every single Nebula, every single Kitty Pride's like, huh, I'm in danger, right? <laughs> like they know I'm holding Killmonger. And you know what? A lot of players, I said, I've been saying it for weeks, why aren't we running armor? I'm seeing a lot of players not running armor and I eat up those Nebulas. I eat up those kitties, right? Well, kitties a little trickier because you got to, you know, the initiative game and everything like that. But I really do like Nova. It's sometimes like, honestly, it's sometimes my, my best card on the board. Like low key, like when I'm playing a surfer deck, I got to hit my day, my weekly quote of Tidal Surfer. And I, I play that, you know, turn six Killmonger, hit the Nova. It goes across the board to all the broods and everything else sitting there. Oh, it's such a beautiful sight. This, this is like a one eight half the time, right? It's such a great card. Yeah. Like the only thing I hate about him is what you said, where it's like, it is like a, Hey, my surprise element of your uh, Nebula going down is gone. Right. But just him with Mysteria lately has just been so good. I mean, just having cards that you can spread out wide and get su such a significant impact on. I like the pick, man. Uh, a little different. I was expecting like Kitty from you, if I'm being honest, on, on this on this uh, episode. But uh, my one cost is the newest. It's Howard the Duck. I got to say, guys, I'm loving Howard, right? So, you know, if you pull him late, of course, it's not the greatest card. But, uh, you know, I'm using him more for what I thought I was going to when we talked about it. And that is, should I stay? Should I snap? Those decks that are a little more risky. Still not the greatest deck, but Hella's been a blast with Howard the Duck, man. But it's obviously giving Iron Lad way more consistency. So you can build those decks to be a lot more greedy, right? And then you can go ahead and know what you're going to scan. And the difference there with Iron Lad, it can't be understated. Knowing what you're going to get from your Lad is is night and day, uh, as well as with, uh, obviously, Jubilee pulls into Lockjaw, things like that. So Howard the Duck gets my no-question favorite card right now at the moment for the one-cost slot. Hit me with your two cost. So I have two written down because I think people are going to be completely sick of me talking about Jeff, who's easily my favorite two drop. I don't care. I could play Jeff in every single deck. I'm not going to get sick of it. And uh, if people want like a, a bit of a different take here, because like I do love Jeff and I've been talking about him for weeks, 
I'm going to say Daredevil. Like with the kind of control coming out, Daredevil is absolutely amazing. And it just never gets old. It never gets old. I feel like it's a perfectly designed card. I love the idea that it's a 2-2 even on turn two. It feels a little underwhelming power-wise. You play it later, it feels like a risk. But if you can really capitalize on turn five, even if you play them on turn four, it can be worth it, right? But what makes what makes Daredevil even better with Profex? It's Jeff. So I still love Jeff. I'm sorry you can't stop me from talking about Jeff. Dude, I almost wanted to put Jeff on mine this, this week as well, as well as like Zabu, the ones that are just like obvious, clear obvious. Yeah. And I finally got a Zabu variant, by the way. But I have to give mine to uh, probably Morbius. Uh, you know, man, just when I was doing my discard deck guide and def, I was just looking at the average stats and I'm like, man, how is this? How is this two cost? How is this guy that's consistently eight to 14 to plus power and, and you can set and forget him? He is a pressure card. So he, you know, makes your opponent think, should they even contest that lane? Do they even bother? Love that about Morbius. Really solid. Uh, now, three cost card. I'll start us off, man. And uh, we already talked about him, uh, but I do think it's going to be the new Venom for me. I, I think what I'm able to do with Venom now has kind of really opened up the Destroy archetype to a whole new level of, of deck building. Uh, it's made Deadpool decks even better. And wow, it's Venom. Right, so we can finally get to play a card of such uh, magnitude and notoriety. I love that pick. I think Venom needed some love. I'm glad it got its love. And I've been, uh, honestly, Venom's in a cool spot. And I think that like, we're like one destroy card away from this archetype really taking off, right? It's, I think there's there's still a couple things that hold it back. Again, we, we talked about death before, but I do like Venom. And uh, I'm going to hit you with one that I think is a bit of a hot take, honestly. Okay. Because I've kind of come just accustomed to the idea that this negative effect just does not bother me anymore. And it's Maximus. Give me that three, seven stat line all day long. I know that people are like, Alex Maximus, you're, you're letting your opponent draw two cards. You know what? I don't care because I don't, even if I know what deck they're playing, I'm always assuming they always have their pieces. I'm never going into turn six. Like I hope they don't have their null. Like I, I don't want to play that game when I'm trying to rank up. I just don't take your null and I'll make a decision based on what my board state is. It dodges Shang-Chi, it creates a ton of uh, board pressure, and it honestly gives you exactly what you need. And if you play it in conjunction with Cosm, which is obviously a great counter card as well, then they don't even get the draw. Who cares? Yep. Uh, without without a doubt, man. I, I like I like Maximus. I don't play him. I don't. I don't play him much unless it's in Surfer, which lo and behold, man, Surfer's been so good. I love watching things that we've talked about just like tenfold show themselves in the meta. And uh, Surfer's doing just that. Now, you know, I, I kind of already went into my my full breakdown, but without question right now, it is going to be Iron Lad. Uh, I don't even have to think about it as my my forecast. It's opened up every archetype. My level of fun has gone up through the roof. I'm playing move decks again. I'm playing, you know, a collector deck where I get two collectors. There's just so much fun he brings. And so he's definitely my forecast. Iron Lad is so versatile. It does so much, right? And I'm glad that you're enjoying it. I'm glad that you're cool has proven correct because it is a damn good card. I'm going with a kind of like oldie but goodie. I'm going with White Queen. White Queen is a card that uh, had a text change actually, but honestly like a 4-6, it's obviously the same stat line as uh, Iron Lad, but I like the scouting side of it. I like, hey, do they have their null? <laughs> now I know, right? Like, I love the scouting side of it. The 4-6 power is nothing to scoff at. The Archer variant, of course, just speaks for itself. Uh, White Queen's a card that I feel like, you know, can't be slept on. I think it does a great job. It really, especially when you're trying to gain rank, I think getting that scouting information is really important in your decision making on whether to snap, retreat, or whatnot. I think it can be a truly valuable card in this game. Yeah, for sure. There's a Spider Ham coming out, and I can't wait to play White Queen. Grab their best card, then Spider Pig it, turn it into nothing, and then you have White Queen, and you have their card they don't. It's like, she's always dependable. The mind reading is incredible. The intel 
Five cost, man. You know, this is definitely not the best five cost card. Far from it. But it's one that I've been playing with more. And it's because I just love the play style. Uh, not only do I have Nimrod on the list, uh, I've been doing a lot more Nimrod, but Vision Man, I love Vision. I love Vision. I've been doing Iron Lad Vision, having multiple of them. Shuri Vision has proved to be super exciting and, and continues to be successful. Uh, so I'm going to split mine. I know you hate when I do that, but Vision and Nimrod, of course, with the Venom change. I, I tell you, the, the fact, and I know you were doing Orca Galactus, but it, it has the same mindset as that. Nimrod is such a confusing card to go up against for so many reasons more than one. And he's like a Galactus counter in himself on your side because you can kind of protect yourself from that. Getting the multiple pop-offs of going from, uh, you know, your Carnage to your Venom and getting multiple Nimrods. This has been a fun card this season with the Venom change. Yeah, with Venom being changed and hopefully with some additional adjustments to death, which of course trigger, triggers uh, with uh, the Nimrod, I think there's a lot of potential there. And I like it's uh, the decks with Destroyer as well, which I think are really cool as well. So like, I, you see Electro into like Nimrod Destroyer, it's like, damn, what? <laughs> it's just such a cool list, right? So um, it's funny how Nimrod on release was a bit of a, eh, people weren't that hot on it. I certainly wasn't hot on it. But as the meta has evolved and things have changed, I think this card's kind of coming into its own a little bit, which is nice to see. My favorite five cost, without question, has been Professor X. I mean, I cheated before, like you like you just apologized for. I talked about two. I talked about Jeff and Daredevil. And both of them work so well with Prof X. Prof X is like the absolute ultimate control card. And Cozy, this is a future pick as well. You know why? You know what hates Professor X? Move decks. Yes. Move decks, hey, Professor X. And next month is going to be the month of move. And if Professor X and control is as good as it is, those move decks are going to have a hell of a time moving over Professor X because it is going to be a card to be fearful of. Yeah, and I got to say, I love Jeff's inclusion, not only for you, but like I love when you play X down now, you're kind of fearful. Like, do they have a Jeff? Like, am I safe in that lane? Do I move my Jeff into my own Pro X lane? It's been a fun mind game to play. Six costs. Alex, I am finally taking yours america chavez and i'll tell you why how dare you i know hey i'm sorry you know it's time to i don't think i've ever picked her as my favorite six cost and it's going to be because of iron lad man having jubilee in there with chavez you have certainty that you can thin your deck out to almost nothing you know exactly what you're going to be getting in your hand and the dependability that this has brought has been uh, really refreshing and then obviously i've been playing a lot of discards so she gets my 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 definitely my favorite this season that's wonderful i mean i'm glad that you're finally starting to see what i've seen all along in america chavez it's it's heartwarming honestly cozy and i appreciate it. i appreciate this acknowledgement that i've been right all this time about america chavez and i'm gonna hit you with a surprise because uh, i know you know you do not know what i'm gonna pick my favorite six cost how dare you? How dare you read my mind? I've been playing so much Orca this month. It's crazy. Do you have any idea how high my win rate is? Dude. No one. No one accounts for Orca. Nobody. And I've been playing lanes with Maximus, Crossbones. I'm not making this up. And then I Orca turn six on one of the empty. They, it's, it's so high. It's like a tower of power. I am loving Orca. I think my win rate's like in the 70s. He feels like Destroyer before he got nerfed. Like in that sense, it, like the power that he can put into that one lane is impressive. Like, like oh, that Morbius lane, boom, you just drop the uh, the Orca and he can compete with it, right? So uh, guys, we know that was a little bit on the rushed side, but again, we wanted to get an episode out for you guys. We really appreciate you guys coming by to the Snapchat. Alex, any closing words? 
No, I just want to thank everyone for their support. I mean, without you guys, we're just two dudes talking to each other for no reason. And you guys make it all the worthwhile. Thank you for your support, the likes, the comments, and everything you guys do to support our content. It truly means the world to us. We'll see you guys next week. Good luck out there with the craziness and the changes. And as always, guys, happy snapping.